You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to Smart Sex, Smart Love. We're talking about sex goes beyond the taboos and talking about love goes beyond the honeymoon. I'm Dr. Joe Court. Thanks for tuning in. Okay, welcome to Smart Sex, Smart Love. I'm Dr. Joe Court, and today my guest is psychotherapist Susie Kamen. She's a certified Imago therapist and relationship therapist. Susie teaches people the Imago dialogue process to create safety and to allow someone to be heard, especially on difficult topics like sex. She helps people get out of their own way by examining issues through different lenses so they can create more of the life that they deserve and desire. Susie believes that personal growth, introspection, and connection are fostered best in a safe and non-judgmental environment. She provides a sacred space in which clients can safely explore issues, learn new essential communication skills, and create the life and the relationships they're seeking. As an Imago therapist and relationship therapist, Susie works with couples, individuals, families, and adolescents. She's also an Imago Relationships International member, a certified strategic intervention life coach, and the vice president of Imago Michigan. Plus, Susie is host of Grow Your Guru, a weekly show on NRM Streamcast, created on a belief that, that within each of us is our inner guru, our true self, which is beautiful, whole, complete, and worthy. Welcome, Susie. Hey, Joe, that sounded great. Thanks for writing that for me. Can you send that back to me so I can use that? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks. Well, so welcome. So you, uh, let's let everyone know that you're the one who had me get started on doing mm. podcasts because I wanted to do it. And then I went on your podcast and saw how easy the people that you hired made it. And I found people my own and it's easy. And I'm so happy you're doing it. You are such a gift and also as a a fellow Imago colleague, I think that you have a gift and a message, and I'm so happy you're doing this, and I'm so grateful to be on your show. So thank you. Thank you. So let's start. Let's just tell the uh, caller or the listeners um, what is Imago relationship therapy. Well, we would need a number of shows to dive deep into it. Essentially, Imago means image in Latin. It was founded by Harville Hendricks and his wife Helen LaKelly Hunt over 30 years ago, and it is essentially a philosophy, a theory about why people pick each other. And while that's super interesting and can be helpful, the part that I spend a lot of my time in and that I'm extremely passionate about, in particular about talking about difficult topics, is teaching what they came up with, which is called the intentional dialogue. And that are tools and structure for how people can talk and break bad conversational habits and learn to be connected even when there is conflict. Right. So, um, so everyone knows I'm also an Imago relationship therapist. And so I do exactly what, um, uh, Susie does. And, and it is true. So can you tell them a little more about what is intentional dialogue? Because I think the best part about that is what we learned is couples come in and they end up fighting in our office. And I always tell them, uh, you can fight for free on the couch at home or on the ride home. You know, you're <laughs> exactly, spending a lot of money. Yeah. So can you talk about what the intentional dialogue is? Well, how I use it in my office is I use Dan Siegel's hand model of helping people understand that reactivity, as I see it, is a gift. It means that your brain is working. 
So I start by helping people understand that reactivity is not the problem. It's not learning how to manage it. And the steps in the dialogue process help manage that reactivity. So mirroring, when you repeat back to the person speaking, validation, I understand what you're saying. You make sense to me, even if I don't agree with you. And empathy, that I can imagine you might feel blank. So that's the outline. All of those help you create some calmness for your reactivity, really giving the gift of the person sitting across from you really being heard. Many of us didn't get that as children or as adults. And then connection, even when there's dif- you know different views. And we're not taught, Joe, we are not taught how to do this. I think it should be a class in high school and college because we end up then getting into relationships. And it's one of the only licenses you can get if you are married where there's no pretest and there's no renewal. Like I have to renew my license tabs, right? If you drive a car, mm-hmm. uh, you get a recall. If you have a dentist to get your teeth clean, you are on your own. That is such an important point. You're right. There's no classes. There's no guidelines. There's nothing. Um, so I always joke with my clients. That's why uh, God made therapists, right? So that we can help people. Oh, I love that. People yeah. have, right? Uh, so it's so really the mirroring. I, I find like this is hard for couples because they feel like, what, what do you mean? I have to repeat back what he just said. I heard him and they don't understand. They say it's mechanical. I don't like it. Um, I didn't like it either when I first did it, you know, cause as a Mago therapist, we have to go to the weekend workshops ourselves with our partners to go through, mm-hmm. you know, right? Before we get trained. And um, the problem was I said to the facilitator, I don't want to – if I'm this broken and our relationship does, is this bad that I have to talk like this for the rest of my life, I don't want to do that. Mm. But I learned that the mirroring is important. So can you say a little bit more um, why repeating back what your partner says is important? Yes, and I have the same experience in my office where people – you know, this feels really foreign. And the word I hear – I hear a lot, this feels really forced. And it is, you are really breaking patterns and habits. What I tell a lot of my clients is, you know, I'd love to tell you everything about what you're doing is from your wounding. And we'll explore that a lot of why people do what they do is habit. And part of breaking a habit requires learning a new skill. And this is learning a new language. And it is forced. And you are training your brain to do what we're actually born to do. You know, if you watch people with infants, you match their tone and it's really, we're mirrored into existence. So it's going back so far that it feels really foreign. And it also, for me, I will share with you that mirroring for me was extraordinarily healing because the other thing it does is creates differentiation, which means for me that the person sitting across from me, I don't have to personalize what you're saying if I mirror you because you're the person sending it to me. So it, it's really a multifaceted thing and it can feel really forced until it is more a part of your way of being. Yeah. And I always tell people the mirroring isn't just for you. It's for your partner to, to know that they've been heard. And so sometimes partners will say something, you mirror them and it might be right. Or it might not be, or that might be, yeah, I said that, but you know, I didn't mean that. So it gives them a chance to correct it. And so there's a, you're making contact each time you're going back and forth, right? A hundred percent. And that's what you just said, even for that mirroring for me is like having magic in your hand. It really is a tool 
when learned that really has so many benefits. It really does, like countless benefits for your partner, for yourself. Really, it's such a gift. And it really can feel really foreign, though, back to your original question. Yeah. And I just say to people, at least in the short run, give it a try, you know, practice it. Because the other thing with their, apparently, I don't know enough about this to speak with full accuracy. I was under the impression that they were doing some brain scan studies on people that were practicing Imago. And what it was showing was that your brain, when you mirror, starts mimicking people that meditate. So that's mm. amazing, right? Calming your nervous system so you can be more present. That's, that is amazing. What I, I love when I learned in the training too is just how to, if you don't know what to do and you're having a reaction, simply mirroring anybody, even not just a partner. So you're having a disagreement with a work employee. You're having a disagreement with somebody out in the world to just say, so let me see if I got that. You don't even have to use those words. What I hear you saying is, and, mm-hmm. and sometimes it can just calm people down and you're making a connection and it calms you down so that you can, you know, sit and really listen to what they're saying. 100%. Yeah, I've, my motto is, and I really teach people this, or at least I'm in service of that, your reactivity, your partner, a coworker, like you said, Joe, that's not the enemy. Your lack of knowing how to manage your reactivity is the challenge and the solution. Yeah. I love that. The reason I was drawn, and I'd like to find out your reason, I was drawn to Imago therapy is because it was people-oriented, two people that fall in love. Mm. It wasn't gender-based. It wasn't man and woman. It wasn't two men, two women. It's all couples. And I remember um, learning that like when I uh, decided – well, not decided. When I realized I was gay and I, I met my um, husband, I remember thinking, well, thank God I'm not going to have all those mother issues that a lot of heterosexual men have with female partners only to find out that it's not gender-based. It doesn't matter who your partner is, male or female. It matters that whomever the more dominant parent is that wounded you will show up in your relationship. Um, so that was oh, helpful to me. I love that you just said that. Yeah. Right? Um, how did, what drew you to Imago? What drew me essentially, and again, I love that you said that, and that's part of my answer, is that I was seeing in my office the shame that couples were facing, thinking that there was something wrong with them. And, you know, just for your listeners, you know, most couples wait till they're at least five to seven years in conflict before they seek therapy. And that hasn't really changed much. And so I came across Imago, a colleague of ours had been telling me for years that she thought it would be a good fit for me for years. And every time we get together once a month, she would bring me like Imago stuff uh, when we would meet. And I finally decided to do it because I just kept feeling there's got to be a better way. And it's just so humane. And for me, even if the outcome for your relationship is that you don't stay together, I believe that you will be better off individually. And I know this sounds so, you know, rose colored glasses. I feel like the world is a better place when we are more loving to ourselves in our communication and to the person we are in relationship to, even if it means we decide to part ways. So it's just more humane to me. So that's how I got to it. Uh, actually, it's Tony Kaplan, a colleague of ours. And for years and years, like I said, she's like, you have to do this. This resonates with you. And so I finally did after just seeing how much couples were struggling. 
I know a lot of people get excited about it, and it, because it makes sense. So you know, um, Oprah Winfrey won her first Emmy with um, Harville Hendricks and Helen on her show doing the Imago Relationship Therapy, and so she sort of yeah. popularized it, made it even more. And it does make a lot of sense that we're drawn to familiar love, right? We're drawn to both the positive and negative traits of our primary caretakers who raised us, and that we also are drawn to people that have a, a ability to express in themselves what we can't express. So like from in my family, as I'm a Jewish and we had a very um, loud family, and my mother doesn't like to really have a lot of calmness. So if you come to dinner with us, you're going to see at any gathering, some fight is going to break out. So my mother will look at me and say, did you like the meal? And I'll say, yeah. And, and I'll say, I'm, uh, she's, well, why are you looking out the window? Oh, I'm just resting and enjoying, you know, taking it in. Well, why are you talking to me that way? I'm not talking to you any other way. I'm really just resting. Now your voice is raised. Yes, it's raised. And so then we get into when I met Mike. He was all about peace and he was calm. I remember writing in a journal, I could take a nap next to him. But when I went to his family's house, there was no room for emotion, right? So it was peaceful and calm, no fighting. But when my emotions came out, they would contact the police and quarantine the house and get the emotion out. And so Mike sort of met me to be more emotional. He didn't know this. And I met him to be more, more calm and learn more, you know, peace. Um, what would you say about that? Well, I think it, I love how open you are about sharing about your relationship. I think that what helps to recognize the gift in the power struggle. So I make up that when you and Mike, I, I imagine there was a point where it wasn't so easy to recognize, oh, Mike's calm or, oh, Joe's <laughs> more reactive, right? Right, exactly. I, right. So at the point where what I liked about you, now I don't is where the power struggle is. And underneath that is a gift there. You each bring a gift to each other to heal. So part of the Imago theory, the per back to your original question, what is Imago? One of the theories is that you are drawn to someone, the Imago match, which is crazy that you would pick someone. Are we allowed to swear? Yes. <laughs> okay. That's going to trigger the shit out of you. I'll stay low on the swearing. To, that is, I, you, you're drawn to someone initially that is familiar who ends up is going to trigger a lot of your wounding. And you think, why would you do that? Well, the perfect Imago match is the person across from you who holds a gift. You each hold a gift for each other to help heal unfinished business from childhood. Right. I love that. That's what I was drawn to um, because it makes sense, right? We're wounded in relationship. Therefore, healing can only take place mm. in the context of a relationship. And, you know, absolutely. You, and right. And you brought up the three stages of love that I love. Amago talks about that. The first stage, everyone calls the honeymoon period, but it's romantic love. It's supposed to let, it's supposed to end. And then you go into the power struggle where people then up, end up fighting and having conflicts. And then if you get through that, you move to real love, which is based on reality. And it's such a hopeful. Exactly. Don't you think it's positive? I remember, um, uh. Yeah. Looking at Harville Hendricks and saying, this stuff is like you're making something sound so horrible, that's so horrible. And it feels like this is not the right relationship. And you reframe it as, no, the fact that you're having trouble is because you're in the right relationship. 100%. Yeah, you, you are. Now, again, I do believe, and I don't want anyone to have, you know, be, feel misled. I still maintain that you need two people willing to do the work. And I also believe if you want to bring in spiritual, you know, some principles, universal principles, that maybe someone is there for a reason, you know, for a certain amount of time, 
that not everyone gets to that place. I still feel that even if you end up not staying with that person, the intentional dialogue process, understanding more of what our baggage is and what we're bringing that's cluttering up the space between is healing and worth the journey. I totally agree. Um, so we're talking about, I always say that couples therapy should include two conversations, the conversation about the relationship in general, and then the sexual conversation. And a lot of us use Imago to help uh, couples uh, differentiate and, and look for connection around sexuality and around sexual differences between each other. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, and I, I'm so excited to talk about this. I think that you and I've talked about I, I hope I'm, I, you can re- remember that quote. What's that quote that we talked about when you were on my podcast? Uh, the person who's most comfortable, uh, least comfortable in the room. Oh yeah, it's Doug Brown Harvey. He says, um, "When it comes to sex, the most uncomfortable people control the room." And it's usually the therapist. It can be the therapist therapist. or it could be the partner. Mm -hmm. So as somebody in the room, if they're the most uncomfortable, they're going to try to control their discomfort. And um, exactly. Yeah. And so for me, one of the reasons and I hope I'm answering your question directly, what the other thing that I think that dialogue process does is it creates a structure for conversation and for sex and eroticism and intimacy I think for many people, it is, you know, when someone's going, come here, come here, and their other hand is stop. I think we want so much, and yet we're so terrified of conversations and closeness. And so what I think this structure does is give a safety, some parameters to talk about hard topics like sex. Because, you know, to be able to say, here's what I'm in, because people change, like, you know, if you met someone at 22, I make up that you're different by 32 or even 27. Or if you've had kids where you're at in your life cycle and to explore where you're at sexually is a conversation most couples don't have, which I think ends up creating conflict and disconnection and secrecy. Yeah. And I think the dialogue process creates safety for authenticity. It's so important because sex is so difficult for couples to talk about, let alone anything else. And there's a, a woman I'm going to have on the show soon. She's not a mago, but her name is, um, oh my God, I'm going to forget her name, Amanda Luderman. And uh, she's mm. written this, she's writing this book called Erotic Empathy. And why I love it, it's like, because Imago is all about finding empathy for your partner and really understanding where they're coming from. And so she's saying, well, what about erotic empathy? What if you have a disgust response or you just don't like what your partner's into? And can, is, can you still find a way to have empathy that it makes sense to them that it turns them on and it makes sense to them what turns you on? And I think that's I do this helpful. all the time in my office. Exactly. That's what we do. And I help people manage your facial expression because we pick our, our job in our life is to keep ourselves safe, right? And so your amygdala, so if you look across and you say to your partner, you know, hey, lately I've been thinking I want to try blank and they look at you that they're disgusted, you're not going to feel safe to continue that. So exact, to have empathy and curiosity. That doesn't mean you have to agree with wanting to do whatever your partner said. I don't know how we're doing on time. I'm wondering if it would be good for your listeners to get have an example if you and I role-played a small snippet of what that could be. Because a lot of times I've heard, well, I hear you saying that, but what would that look like in your office? Uh, yeah, we have about five minutes, so let's do a little bit. You want to start? Sure. 
Uh, hi, Joe. I'm wondering if this is a good time to talk. So what I'm hearing you say is you're wondering if right now is a good time to talk with me. Did I get it? You did. And what I'd like to talk about, and assume we're in a relationship, uh, what I'd like to talk about is something that's been on my mind around our sex life. And I've been nervous to talk to you about this. Okay. And what you want to talk about is something uh, around our sex life, and you've been nervous to talk to me about it. Am I getting it? I ha- I have, yeah. Um, is there more? What? Yeah. I feel like our sex life has been complacent lately. So you're you're feeling like our sex life has become complacent lately. Am I getting it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is, is there more? And I'm scared. I'm scared to talk to you about this because I feel like what goes on for me when I've said this in the past is you get really defensive. I, I perceive you as being really defensive. So you're scared to talk to me because you perceive me as getting defensive. Am I getting it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You are. Mm-hmm. Is there more? And yeah. And I feel like it would be really important for us to try some different things sexually. So I'm not going to mirror you now, but I like the idea that we just did that. So people hear that you're saying I statements, you're speaking in short sentences, you're using the same voice that you use at a dinner table for passing, pass me the salt and pepper, and I'm mirroring you verbatim, what I hear you saying, am I getting it? Is there more? So you're creating safety for your partner to, and this can be really hard because you and I, we're not partners, we're not in a power struggle, but when you are, it's really hard to keep your temper and really hard to stay contained while you're having a conversation that might be triggering you and might you might completely disagree with, right? 100%. And what, what the research shows, too, is if we're looking to a whole other topic, make some deposits to hopefully have exits out of your relationship decrease a little bit. Even the safety of these conversations where there doesn't have to be agreement helps people not feel like they have to get their needs met elsewhere. Because the connection in the conversation is often as important, if not more, being heard than if you actually agree about what's next sexually or anything. Right. And then what we didn't say, we don't have time to go into more, we probably have you back on, is, you know, there's a set, not just communication exercises, but behavior change requests, how to invite your partner into changing behaviors that are frustration, causing frustrations in the relationship. So it has a whole toolbox. Yeah. Right. A hundred percent for everything. And I would love to do another. Well, you I would do this every day with you. <laughs> it, you know, it's my passion. I love working with you to really talk about how Amago can be the, the vehicle to help people talk about sex and eroticism, really, because I just had a guest on my show on Monday. I have another show I'm doing right now at Kaiba Media called For Real. And we had a woman who brought sex toys on. And giving the safety for people to talk about that, even if there's no agreement, it's so critical. It's so much a part of who we are. So I would love to talk about all the different ways that we can help couples talk about this. Yes, for sure. So we'll definitely maybe have you back on and talk about uh, going to deeper about Imago relationship therapy. But um, we need to wrap up. So do you want to um, say anything more about yourself and tell the listeners where they can find you? Yeah, you did a great job. You can go to suzykamen.com. I also am a coach. You can call me at 248-788-7072. I am like, Joe, your intro was amazing. And I'm committed to helping couples and individuals and families really get out of their own way to really create and live the life they deserve. And I'm so grateful to be connected to you, Joe.
Same here. And I love that you remind people that it's not just couples, it's for individuals, families. And we ha- we know that there's a global movement of Imago and trying to get countries and, and um, people in charge to talk to each other. So um, I'm glad to talk to you too. I love you. You know I do. And we'll uh, connect again. Mm, absolutely. I'm so grateful. And I'm so happy you're doing this. You are a true gift to the world, Joe. Thank you, Susie. Have a great day. Thank you for coming on the show. You too. All right. Take care. Bye. All right, bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Smart Sex, Smart Love. I'm Dr. Joe Court, and you can find me on joecourt.com. That's J-O-E-K-O-R-T.com. See you next time.